Well, off-season, pre-season, two different things. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, for us, it's kind of the same thing. Right. Oh, well, I guess not. Yeah, off-season, the end of the year, when you're just having a break, and then pre-season, yeah. So, I guess... Off-season, where people just get fat. Yeah, And yeah, then pre-season, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was, pre, was pre-season, okay? Yeah, Let's okay. call it pre-season. Pre-season, all right. My first week was 3-3 three, three and 6K, and the 6K yeah. just about killed me. I was like, oh my I God, remember, yeah. I was like, what am I doing? And then you're like, yeah, but you're running a marathon, Nev. Like, you got to bump those numbers yeah. up. I'm like, oh, all right. Someone did prove it scientifically. Oh, maybe just get like a, a light rain that's like a slick layer on the ground and just yeah. start like hydroplaning a top yeah, of yeah, 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 okay. yeah, I can see hydroplaning. Yeah, you know, you know hear the words and not have to really comprehend everything that was going on but it was just that i don't know sort of like my white noise almost oh, you're you know? getting in the zone that's why they call it the zone gotta I mean, get in that flow state yeah exactly yeah. it's the flow state it's the zone that's what we do in endurance sports that's right like you got to get into it for a long time not think about anything mm. and just go mike laurie welcome officially to the podcast studio here at the strength institute and uh for those listening um, or who have been following along. Uh, welcome back to the very first uh, guest on the Running a Marathon mini-series, Mike Laurie. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Ah, thanks for having me, Nevin. No, no worries at all. I um, basically uh, wanted to finish the series with how we started, which was having you on. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you. Thanks for coming yeah. on, and thank you for all the help you gave me leading up to the uh, to the marathon. It was invaluable, and uh, it would have been a real struggle had I not talked to people like yourself and Justin yeah. Barrett and the other people that I had on the podcast. So, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, I guess what I wanted to touch base with you on is now that it's done, a couple of things that I found doing it, and wanted to get your perspective on them as well. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, Let's perfect. Get into it. So basically, I think. What I found as I went on with was one of the hardest things was to find the time to actually get out and do, especially like the longer runs. Yeah. Um, because anything, you know, in the last four weeks uh, was, or last five weeks was over half a marathon distance. And um, it's kind of hard to find time to go out running for two and a half hours, three hours yeah. to actually get everything yeah. done. Right. So when you're training for your, um, well, when you were training for your sort of triathlons, mm -hmm. um, what did you find was the hardest thing? Was it the workload um, of each session? Was it sort of like the cumulative workload? Was it finding the time? I mean, you're a professional, so you had a lot yeah. of time just to focus on that. Yeah. What, what did you find were the sort of the hardest things in, in your training? Uh, that's a tough question. Sometimes it was, um, quite often it was just not overtraining and, you know, keeping yourself to a certain amount of training because in individual, like for triathlon specifically, we're doing three, we're trying to do three sports and you might have enough energy to do one sport, you know, do 10 sessions a week. Like in running, you might do 10, 12 sessions a week as a professional athlete. But in triathlon, you have more like 20 to 25 sessions a week that you have to do. And, you know, you want, you want to excel at each individual leg, but you have to actually you have to say, you know, I can't excel at this leg this week. It can't, you know, it can't be this week. I'm going to have to wait. So that was tough and not, not overtraining, which I have done on occasion. Um, and the other t thing is uh, t for other pe people around you don't really understand that rest is 50% of training. Like if you don't rest and recover, you're not going to get the benefits of your training. And so it made me look really lazy actually quite often because I, would, I spend like 10 to 12 hours in bed a week. And, um, you know, even my girlfriend at home, she understood, but sometimes oh, per, per, per night, 10 to 12 hours. Oh yeah. Every day, every day and night, you know, between napping, maybe two hours a day, three hours a day, and then sleeping eight to 10 hours a night. Um, yeah, sorry per day. And, um, you know, the people around you don't necessarily understand that they're like, why are you always sleeping? Why are you always lying down? You know, don't you want to come out and hang out with me? And I would say, you know, 
I have to recover because I have a big session tomorrow and I had a big session today. And if I don't get this recovery time in, then, you know, when am I going to get it in? You know, I'm just not going to train to, to the level I want to. And so it's, it's saying no to other things and realizing that you're not making any sacrifices. You're just, you're just trying to be the best you and, you know, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fair enough. Um, I guess I, I experienced that on a much lighter level. Like I wasn't, I wasn't turning down, uh, you know, social gatherings. Yeah. I couldn't go to social gatherings because it was in the middle of COVID yeah. when I started. But um, the benefits, the benefits of COVID, yeah, yeah, didn't have people bother me when I was trying to recover yeah. from my intense Those training. people. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess um, because I was only doing, um, you know, basically three runs a week. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't definitely wasn't doing 10, 12 training sessions a week. You know, yeah. um, it was a lot, you know, easier for me to recover. And yeah. um, we were just actually having a chat with another young um, young man before who's doing a, a, a half marathon. Uh, sorry, a half uh, Ironman Iron soon. Yeah. And you're giving him some great tips as well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, t- ten, 10 sessions a week is, is a lot. And you were saying some of the numbers that you were doing when you were training for your triathlons. Um, you were saying a big week would be like 100 Ks of running and several yeah, hundred maybe Ks. Four or 500 K a week of cycling and up to 20, 30 K swimming. But, you know, sometimes you'd overload one, one individual leg. You know, I swam. With City of Perth Swimming Club, I did up to 80 kilometers a week in the pool over a summer just to try and get better at swimming. And, you know, that's that's about 20, 20 hours worth of just swimming a week. And then on top of that, you have to, you know, ride and run. So That's 20 yeah. hours of, of swimming if you're a fast swimmer a week. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're a fast swimmer, that's <laughs> like, you know, swimming at 1K for 15 minutes, you know, yeah. for three-hour sessions, eight times, you know, seven times a week, six times a week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My biggest week, so I didn't actually technically deload for the for the marathon, yep. which would have been my 12th week, would have been the light week, yeah, yeah, then yeah. the marathon on the Sunday. That's why I was so impressed. Yep. Right. So I, I did uh, I did 10 on, the, 10 on the Wednesday and eight on the Friday and then ran the marathon, the 42.2 on the, yep. on the Sunday. So it was a 60K week. Yeah. And I was That's very impressive. I was pretty tired though. Like come Monday, I was like, oh, everything's still stiff. Yeah. So you just say you're doing hundred Ks of running and you're not even doing them, you just sort of hundred Ks of running, several hundred Ks of cycling yeah. and, and all that swimming. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of that's a lot of work. So I, I can yeah. understand that you need to get some extra sleep in there. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with recovering. You gotta yeah. let the body recover. And, and for someone in your situation where you, you know, you work full time, you work early mornings and the afternoons, it's very difficult to get the time to do a two or three hour run. Plus, um, I know lots of professionals who um, they have to wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday before their kids are up, and that's when they do all their long sessions. But even fewer, that's more difficult because that's probably when you're doing a lot of, you know, you're work, working here. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was the, so that was the times. That's yeah. quite a difficult thing, and it's, it takes a lot of time to learn the balance. And, and that's what I go back to. The hardest thing was finding the time because, you know, when I started it, we were locked down, so I couldn't work. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to work in here. The gym was closed. So I had all day to go out on my run, so I could just yeah. go out at my own leisure and do the run. Yeah. Um, but then we reopened seven or eight weeks in. Yeah. And, all right, so the last four weeks, four or five weeks, um, it was around, uh, you know, you work split shifts, so work morning and night yeah so i'm trying to find time to uh you know and, and on the last few weeks like my short runs were still eight or ten k yeah so it's a long time yeah, yeah it's like 50 minutes an hour for me so yeah. go out and and then like i gotta get home quickly go for this hour run shower down like eat some food you know get back to the gym do the yeah. afternoon shift and then on the weekends i work a half day saturday so really the i didn't want to do it a saturday afternoon because it'd be too hot so i would yeah. do my long runs on like a sunday morning um so i sort of like dictated to when i could train by by working out, which I guess is the same for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I did find that that was probably the hardest thing to find that balance was was when to train. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty tricky. What um, I thought was interesting and came 
as a bit of a surprise was how quickly my times did start to improve just with the running. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't get like a, you know, technical coaches or anything like that. Um, but I thought that having no base or background really with running, I would struggle for longer. But it seemed to go not not too poorly. Like after the first yeah. three weeks and you start to get into a rhythm of it, it's just like, all right, this is this is my run now. I'm just going out and do my run and sort of found like my own my own rhythm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is um which is which is interesting. I think one of the longest things that it took to really get super comfortable with was pacing myself. Yeah. So I would look down at my at my Garmin Instinct uh, <laughs> GPS watch yeah. and I had my pace set. And the first probably month, I would I would be looking and I'm like, all right, just cruise, like just hit a yeah. rhythm and cruise. Yeah. And I'd look down and I'd be like 5:30, all right. And I'd look up and be like 6:15. <laughs> I'd look down and be like 5:45. Look, it'd be like 6:30. I'm like, geez, I can't keep it steady. Yeah, yeah. Like, I must look like I'm just doing sprints and then jogs out there. I felt like I was running real smooth. Yeah. So is that something that you struggled with when you first started or does that come pretty natural to you? Getting yeah, a good I feel rhythm? like when you first start, it definitely is something that you struggle with. I'm, you're just, you're, you're trying something new, right? So you're going to, you're going to have ebbs and flows and, um, but, but as you, as time goes on, you definitely get used to it. Like I know I can go out and run an easy, if, I, if I'm going to go do an easy eight or 10 K, I know that I'm going to run right on five minute kilometers each time. This is just like for for an easy jog, and um, I can do that without a watch. Like, and I will be plus or minus five seconds per kilometer. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On any given course, whether it's got hills or no hills. Wow. Pretty much every time, and I know when I'm in good shape for a race, and I do my easy runs. You know, leading into a race, if if I'm running my easy runs at four fifties, I know that I'm like excited for a race. You know. Yeah. Hard runs are obviously different, um, but even those. I would get used to going at exact paces and I can look down at my watch at any time during like an eight or 10K like threshold hard run. And I'm, I know like I'm plus or minus three, you know, three seconds per kilometer where I'm at. Like I would do, there was a session I would do each week later on in my career where it was like, you know, an 8K threshold. Um, and I would be running at three minute 08 pace. And any week I would be at between 306 and 310 pace. Wow. Every single time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and barely would have to look at my watch to, to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. I got a little glimpse of that um, when I was the, maybe the last two or three weeks when the short runs, which was sort of around that 8K mark at the time, were, yeah. were I was getting a lot more comfortable with that distance. And um, and same thing, I would look at And my goal for the short runs when I wasn't sort of like trying to go faster and slower, he said like do some interval work, which I tried to implement in, yeah. um, was I would just make sure that I was holding it at sub-marathon pace, right? Just hold hold sub-marathon pace for goal, goal marathon yeah, yeah. pace. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and just try to sit on it. And like I said, the starter was up and down and up and down. Yeah. Um, but by the end, the last few weeks, um, it was sitting. I'd look down and it would be at you know five forty two, five forty four, five forty two, five forty four. You know, it was like it was it was well, a couple seconds on and off. I remember, I remember looking at your um, marathon splits and I was very impressed with your first, especially your first thirty k. Oh, it was first, like on the dot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first thirty, so yeah, the first thirty, thirty two k was like yeah. just just sitting there. So were you actually following your watch when you were doing that, or were you just running at what? You felt comfortable so well we talked about this a little bit before when i ran yep. um, or when i run i especially the long runs i listened to podcasts yeah um, i tried running to music yeah um, a few people suggested it i couldn't get into a rhythm like a good song would come on and yeah. i'd just start powering through and i'd just gas out and i'd be too tired and it would ruin my run yeah so i stopped listening to music um and i listened to podcasts and i didn't have to like listen deeply it would just yeah. be as long as it was a podcast where they're having a good conversation and i could just sort of zone out and hear the words and not have to really comprehend everything that was going on but it was just that I don't know, sort of like my white noise almost. Oh, you're you know? getting in the zone. That's why they call it the zone. Got to I mean, get in that 
flow state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the flow state. It's the zone. That's what we do in endurance sport. It's that's just right. Like you got to get into it for a long time, not think about anything, mm. and just go. And so, and so that's that's what um, I would try to do is just listen to these podcasts and get into the zone and just sort of you know sit on sit on the pace and. Um, yeah, no. On the marathon itself, I was I was feeling really good. So I I, I do check the watch. Like I think it, the lap was set to every kilometer. It would yep. it would beep, um, and I had uh, one of my displays showing my overall average pace, yep. and then I had the other one showing my current pace. Yeah. Um, and so I would I would sort of more or less just be looking at the current pace because I was trying to keep them all pretty consistent. Yeah. And you had told me that it's important to negative split um, if you're trying to go like a real fast time. Yeah. Um, a negative split for those people that haven't been following along means basically you run the second half of the marathon faster than the first half or the race yeah. or, you know, you, you run it faster. If you go out too hard, you usually burn out. Yeah. Um, and... And I definitely did not negative split on my marathon. So I was a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the first 30, 32Ks were basically just sitting at that 5.45 yeah. mark, just which was, was sub four-hour um, pace. And I was like, yeah, I, I think I got this. And then the yeah. last 10 just sort of smacked me right in oh, the face. Yeah. It gets everyone. Yeah, yeah. the last 10 yeah. smacked me in the face. Now, I'm not sure that I went out too strong because I felt really comfortable holding that pace. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe I just did not like have enough preparation time in yeah, 11 well, weeks to really to, to, to your credit i think if you had had one or two taper weeks i think you know 445 was obviously your marathon pace it's there was a good pace to sit at and you know uh if you had you know had the extra week of taper you know an extra week or two of training and another week of taper you for sure would have been able to sit at that yeah but, but, yeah i think i think i think potentially for sure um yeah, yeah it's just uh yeah, I don't think I went out too hard. I don't think I like. I was no, like, ch- no, definitely it. not. Like it felt, it felt very maintainable and comfortable until that last ten. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of a, a headwind. The way I, I set it up was that I I got dropped off at uh, Hillary's Boat Harbor, yeah. and I basically ran from Hillary's Boat Harbor to Burns Beach, and then to Hillary's to Burns Beach. And then that, oh, really? and, then, and then finish at my house, which is basically forty-two point two exactly to my doorstep, yeah. about ten meters past. <laughs> so I was like, all right, so I'm going to do that. Um, cause then if I, if I get to 32, you know, if I get to 28 and I don't think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. I can just turn around and I'd end up at my house anyway yeah. at, at the 32 K mark. Yeah. But I felt like if it is on, I'm in the position where I can just keep going and I'm going to end up in the good spot and not like 10 Ks away, which I'm going to come yeah. pick me yeah. up. Yeah. I'm tired. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that's one of those things, a little bit extra preparation would have, would have been better in, in, in keeping that um, yeah. time down. Well, it's not the easiest course too, although it looks, you know, relatively flat. There's a lot of little bumpy, like, you know, there are like short. Sharp little bumpy little hills. ones. Yeah. The reason why I kept it with that course was because for the majority of it, it's semi-protected from the wind. Yeah. Because yeah. I ran along the beach trail, everything north of um, everything south of Malalu, and everything north of Malalu, I ran on just a side footpath, um, which was a little bit uh, inland from the coast oh, path. Yeah. So it wasn't super hilly. There was definitely some. Yeah. Um, but it was a little bit protected from the wind. Yeah. Because couple weeks earlier i did the 28k run um and i pushed out further south Mm -hmm. like ran towards trig and i was just copping 46k an hour i used to run there all the time 46k an hour (laughs) side wind with torrential rain i'm like what am i doing with my life here this is a bad decision so i just kept it in the other place because at least you had some sand dunes and some trees and shrubbery to to block some of the wind on the in hindsight, I probably should have gotten dropped and started at the Burns Beach end yep. because there was a slight northerly wind. It was yeah, about a 16 okay. k an hour northerly. Um, so I actually ran into it twice 
two full times, but only got one and a half tailwinds, if that makes yeah, sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I could have switched that around a little bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I think it was, it was pretty good conditions for the day. It wasn't too hot. Yep. Um, I do find that I overheat uh, pretty quickly when I do the long runs as well. well when they did the, um, the breaking two marathon, have you, have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah, you yeah. follow that? Yeah. I think the optimal temperature was like, Eight to ten degrees. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I well, I did, uh, yeah, I, yeah so I, I didn't follow it. You know, I, I know, no, but like, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Um, yeah, elaborating on that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's eight to ten degrees. Otherwise, you know, anything over that and over a long period of time, your body will heat up. I mean, yeah. For me, if I'm racing in fifteen, ten to fifteen degrees, I'm pretty happy with that. And yeah, yeah, and it's all also the dew point. I have a friend who lives by the dew point. The dew point, like um, how humid it is too. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you're gonna run a lot better on some days that are you know a lot less humid than a day that is humid, even if it's really cold. Yeah, right. That's um, really interesting about the humidity. So that would just be because when it's really humid um, and there's a little moisture in the air, you're not evaporating the moisture off of you as efficiently, right? So yeah, that, that's yeah. the cooling mechanism of sweating. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't really live by this because I just tr- I just race and train to the day uh, most of the time. But uh, yeah. If I could get him in here, he'd have a lot more to say. Like he right. will look up a week ahead if he has a race coming up, and he'll be like, "No, I'm not doing this race because it's the, the he would pull out of races right. because of the humidity." Just, just yeah, yeah. Some races he would, yeah, or he would he would know that he's not going to do an exceptional time, and he was right 90 percent of the time. So. Really, Is, yeah. was he a professional athlete as well? Professional triathlete? Uh no, he's actually a local guy. He just ran his first sub 15 minute 5k, and he's doing. His name's Jerry Hill. I run with him a lot around Herdsman. He, he's very like he's an elite WA athlete. Sub 15 minute 5k. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a very good athlete. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he lives by the uh, humidity rules and the dew point, and he always tells me what's coming, what's coming on. So okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I can now appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't take any note of the humidity when I was running. Yep. What I did find, I think, just like cycling back to it was um, was heating up being an issue. So yeah, I, you know. Talking to Ian Dunnigan, who's a sleep scientist who does the ultra marathons and normal marathons, he said, you know, um, in terms of, of a like a biology and a, and a like uh, what does he call it a chrono a chronotypes, basically yep. that we're mo- most active and ready to perform sort of like in the early evening. Yeah. Um. So around that five six p.m. Um, time. Problem is here we had we had getting shorter days. I want to be running oh, yeah. running in the dark in the middle of the night. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Got myself probably fall over and hurt myself. So I was running in the morning and it was cooler in the morning as well, which which seemed to help me a fair bit. Um, I actually really enjoyed it when it was a light rain. Yeah, a light rain really just kept me cool. Like obviously the heavy stuff was a pain in the butt, but mm-hmm. but a nice light rain was was a little little misting. Yeah, a little misting yeah, was yeah. good. You I, know? I can't remember. I remember reading about this one day and I. Yeah, I can't remember the exact science behind it, but apparently a light rain is actually perfect for running because it's something to do with the evaporation off the ground and yeah, yeah, along those lines. I, I can't remember ex- the exact science, but yeah, I, I recall that it is better for running. Yeah, yeah okay. someone did prove it scientifically. Oh, maybe just get like a, a light rain that's like a slick layer on the ground and just yeah. start like hydroplaning a top. Yeah, 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 no, okay. yeah. I can see hydroplaning. Yeah, you know, you know hydroplaning. Just, just I don't skating. think I was running, running that quickly, but uh, yeah, it was not too bad. It was not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we touch on? Um, I think that uh, having a good background in strength training really mm-hmm. helped for preparation. Um, cause I know that you and the other guys had said, you know, take a longer prep, like it would be ideal 16 weeks. Um, yeah. and you don't want to really go up by more than 10% workload each week. Yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, I was taking much 
bigger jumps in 10% just because of the time restrictions um, and not having a background of running. I didn't, I had to start like my first week was three, three and six K and the six K <laughs> just about killed me. I was like, Oh my I God, remember, yeah. I was like, what am I doing? And then you're like, yeah, but you're running a marathon. Nev. Like you got to bump those numbers. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, all right. So, so um, yeah, I think that, I think that, and I'd mentioned before that really the only issue that I had was some soreness in my right knee. Um, and basically when I really focused on rolling out my ITB on that mm-hmm. side and, and releasing my calf, my calves were really tight. Um, that pain was basically fully alleviated. But that was definitely like the beginning of an overuse injury, I think. Yeah. So um, looking back on it now, I think that one, the, the extra squats – and that, that strength from deadlifting yeah. heavy and squatting heavy, it helped. So like my hips felt good, my back felt good, my knees and ankles, everything felt strong. Like I didn't get shin splints. Like yeah. I was able to absorb that impact from the running. Mm-hmm. Um, but things did start to get tighter. And, and knowing now, I'd probably spend more time focusing on on, on being ahead of that. Yeah. So like making sure that I don't get too tight, staying yeah. looser. When you were doing professional triathlons, um, how much time did you spend focusing on sort of prehab, if you will, like preventing those sort of injuries? Did, did Was that a focus for you? Or was it more an afterthought like, oh, I'm injured here. Let's try to get around this and then strengthen it for later. Or were you guys actively, hey, guys, we know these are the hot spots. You know, let's yeah. focus on them beforehand. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, earlier on in my career, I did do a lot of strength and, or more conditioning training, strength conditioning, light, very light though. And more for my core, um, you know, my hips, my my quads, that sort of thing. Just light, making sure the body's compact and can handle, you know, the the strain of on your core muscles and swimming, cycling, and running over, over the period over the, over the period of a week, and you know, a lot a lot of training. So I'd probably do about three one hour sessions a week, where I do like twenty or thirty different movements with just just basically body weight movements, bands. Uh, that's that type of thing. But then later on and more recently um, with the Canadian national team, we focused a lot on like heavier strength work, um, doing like, you know, heavy squats almost to fatigue um, and uh, yeah, a lot of different like heavier strength-based uh, movements. And that's that's like an indication of the general trend in triathlon endurance sports of more, people doing that more. There's a lot more research coming out that, it is very helpful. It it stops uh, injuries. It makes you feel, you know, you can you can train better. You can race better on, on it. And um, our triathlon Canada squad was great. We, we were having an excellent season, and it was the first time they'd used this strength based um, approach in the off season. They did a lot of like heavy weights in the off season, uh, pre season as you call it. Um, and then come well, off season, pre season, two different things. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well. For us, it's kind of the same thing. Right. Oh, well, I guess not. Yeah, off-season, the end of the year when you're just having a break and then pre-season, yeah. So I guess off-season pre- where people just get fat. Yeah, And yeah, then pre-season yeah, where we start yeah, it, it, was, it, was pre- it was pre-season, okay? <laughs> yeah, Let's okay. call it pre-season. Pre-season, all right. Yeah, pre-season, we would do a lot more. And um, we'd, it would actually be one of our main focuses. And then coming into the season, we'd kind of lighten it up and, you know, use that strength we had we'd worked on in the pre-season um, to get through. And, you know, going into an Olympic year, uh an Olympic cycle, your, your seasons, you try to make them longer because you want to do more races, you want to get more points. And so uh, that strength was really key in carrying this group through um, through to the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Well, just and, and for people who are wondering, well, why, why is lifting weights – um, you know, going to be beneficial in an endurance sport where they're, you know, w- you're working hard for hours at a time. Yeah. And um, 
pretty simple few reasons basically is that um well one injury prevention right if your muscles are stronger and they're supporting your joints better you're less likely to have injuries there yeah right both acute and overuse injuries um uh also it helps with your proprioceptive work so you're less likely to fall stumble or if you do like you know coming off a bike or something like that yeah. um you're more likely to be able to catch yourself you know you, or you, not not just tumble and fall and break an arm or a yeah. leg um and I guess less uh, broken bone injuries if you were to come off a bike at high speed because your bone density is improved from lifting weights. Yep. But the main benefit is probably going to be um, your economy of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people ask, well, what does that mean exactly? And, and there's a bunch of um, you know scientific uh, articles that have been released that show the a, a huge improvement um, in endurance athletes. And it's not because it's improving their overall work capacity. You have fantastic work capacity. Yep. What it's doing is... Um, uh, it's improving your economy of movement. So when you use strength train and you're working in certain rep ranges, you're able to get a lot stronger. There's a, a huge central nervous system adaptation, so CNS um, improvements, you would say, and that's your brain telling your muscles to contract harder, contract in this order, be more coordinated with each yeah. other, um, and switch on faster um, and to a higher level of you know force. Uh these things are all central nervous and this neuromuscular connection, and you can get a lot stronger without putting on a lot of bulk, weight, and size. Yeah. Right. So obviously, if you're training for triathlon or endurance athlete, you're not trying to be a bodybuilder and lift, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of reps and go to failure and put on a lot of mass because that mass would slow you down. But you can get a lot stronger and not put on any weight, mm-hmm. and that's hugely beneficial because if you have strong legs, oh, yeah. you know, 20% stronger legs, and you're not weighing any any extra you're going to be able to push yourself a lot further, a lot faster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's you know, the main reason why, why strength training is um, so beneficial for yeah. endurance athletes as well. Um, I guess what I wanted to get at next was, uh, basically, you've got a little bit of experience in the gym now, you've said. Oh, yeah, right? I, I, I do all right. All right, he knows I'm, his way I'm around. Nervous, but... he, he knows his way around a squat cage. Is yeah. that you helped me get my, my running on track. Yeah. Is that I would love to do a little one for one where I get you in the gym. We film this, right? I put okay. you through some heavy squats, some heavy deadlifts, like some heavy strongman and powerlifting movements. All right. Yeah. We get we get the professional triathlete yeah. in there slinging around some weight. Can I lift ten. an Atlas ball or is there none the small Atlas enough for me? I can get, I can stone, pull in yeah. an Atlas stone that you could lift 100. I've got a, I've got a, a bunch of different sizes. So yeah. we'll get some strongman events. We'll get some uh, powerlifting movements in. Yeah. Um, in return, I think you and I would go out and we do some sort of like, uh, you need to show me what some actual running speed is, you know, like uh, some, 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 I don't know, what would, what would be a, what, a tough session for you? A tough session. A tough running session. VO2 max sessions are the hardest sessions. All yeah. right. So what, t- Intel, what is a VO2 max session? So um, it's basically, um, it's running for, a, what I would do is like a, a 800 meters around a track as hard as you can. Um, five times in a row with a 400 meter like jog recovery. So it's equal, uh, equal intensity to recovery and you're just going as hard as you can from the start. And basically by the end, you're like, you want to throw up, you want to, you know, you just want to pass out. And sounds you, terrible. Yeah, yeah, sounds, yeah. Hey, so what, 800 meters hard, 400 light. Yep. Five times or five something. Five or six times. Five or six yeah. times. It doesn't wow. sound like much because it's not long, but it's mm. it'll be about the hardest session you'll do. It sounds incredibly long and and very tough. Yeah. What? So all right. So oh, or geez. or I could give you one that's more down your alley, a little bit more. I'm just a trying shorter. to think because if if we do this together, mm-hmm. all right, 
um, the problem is is that you're going to be finished and you're going to be waiting half an hour for me to get done. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it could be. What? <laughs> it could be. So what, is there anything else? Because look, I'm not, it's not off the table. Like if, yeah. if you think that that's a tough session, I'm, I'm down to give it a go. But what, what, else, what else would you do that would be challenging that we could do at the same time and you could just sort of like, you know, jog it and laugh at me while, while, I'm, while I'm struggling through it? There is another session I really like, which I call maximum aerobic velocity shuttles. And oh. so it's basically like 100 meters at a really at a pretty solid pace yeah and then 50 meters like equal time to whatever you just done there at 100 meters and then you just repeat that for five ten minutes so it's like 100 meters on 50 meters off 100 meters on 50 oh i'm meters down off. for this one this yeah, sounds yeah. much more of my alley yeah and I, I think you can do this and yeah. i think yeah, yeah all right so 100 on 50 off yeah and the 50 it's just equal times equal so times now, basically. Now, like yeah. are we sprinting these 100s pretty close no, pretty close pretty so, close because I, right. I would do them in like uh, I think my, my times were about 15 and a half seconds to 16 seconds. So all pretty, right. not, not, not all out sprint, obviously, but, um, some pretty, pretty, yeah, sprint. pretty solid. Yeah. 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 yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and then 50 meters off in 16 to 18 seconds or something. All yeah. right. So we down to try this then I'll yeah, put you, it. I'll put you through some, some heavy strongman and powerlifting movements. So okay. Give you a little what, bit what of, are you putting me through? Give me a few examples. Ooh, well, look, we got to do some squats, but you know what? You've done yeah. squats before. So I want to take it up yeah. a notch. We're going to get maybe some accommodating resistance, like get you under some chain squats okay. or some banded squats. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll do some some sort of deadlift variation and then we'll also do some strongman. So we can give you a go with the Atlas Stones, but we'll definitely put you under the yoke, all right? Which is, again, you're picking up that big device on your shoulders and going for a walk with it, all yeah. right? So we'll, we'll pick three to four good, tough exercises, um, give you a taste of what it's like to be a, a strength athlete, yep. and then you're going to take me down to the track or to a park somewhere, yep. and we're going to then do this 100 slash 50 for 10 minutes worth and 10 minutes until I pop. All yep. right, 10 minutes? I'm down. All right, this sounds good. Stay tuned for this video, guys, because I'll, I'll make a nice montage video of a, probably me with my head in the bucket. After I'm going to go like this by the end. I'm going to do some Rocky <laughs> running up the stairs. That's it. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a two-part series. We'll do a two-part series. We'll do, you know, a professional endurance athlete trains like a strong man, <laughs> and then we'll do washed up strength athlete trains like an endurance athlete or yeah. something like that. All right, I'm down. You're already halfway there. You did a marathon. Hey, I've, you're the only one who's done a marathon here, Nevin. I, I've put on five kilos in the last six days so since running that marathon. <laughs> That's taken me ten years to put on five kilos. Oh, so. mate, I'll show you how to put on five kilos. We'll have a third video. We go to we go eat food, and then we'll we'll, we'll film that too. Sounds good. Perfect. Well, Mark, I just want to say thanks again for all of your help in the lead up to the marathon. Um, like it really was invaluable. Like I couldn't have scheduled out and planned everything um, as I did uh, without the advice from guys like yourself. So I uh, really appreciate that. And I'm really looking forward to these next two videos. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Right? Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Nevin. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get a date planned. Sounds awesome. good. Guys, thanks very much for tuning in. If you haven't already, hit the like and subscribe button. Um, this is the final episode of Running a Marathon, but we'll be back with uh, some side videos soon. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers.